two, please. Hebrews two. We're going back, I believe, for this one last dip. I believe in this here section. Hebrews 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 once again. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. When you have it, say, I have it. I have it. All right. Okay, let's read this together. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. Ready, read. Therefore, we must give the more honest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. All right, we're talking on this subject, don't neglect your salvation. Don't neglect your salvation, part three. Thank you, Father, today for the word we're about to receive. I pray, Father, for your anointing upon me and these lips of clay on, Lord, the, uh, this heart and this mind that, God, you speak through me, and, God, let your people receive the word. Hallelujah. And I pray that, God, every ear is open, every eye is open, every heart is open to receive everything that you speak to us today, Lord. Let us leave today changed by the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. All right, take your seats today. Don't neglect your salvation. Hallelujah. This issue of neglect is a, is a big issue uh, in the world. Uh, in a couple areas I want to reference here as I open here today. One is uh, elder abuse or neglect. How I many of you ever heard of elder abuse? People who, who've ever worked in nursing homes, AFDCs, or what do you, uh, what is those? ALFs. AFDC something else. That's, that's food stamps. That's Tam, yeah. So ALFs, amen. Anybody who's ever had to care for uh, senior citizens, uh, you know you've got to be very, very careful in how you take care of them and diligent about how you take care of them because there's something out there, if you don't do things properly, you can be uh, arrested, charged for neglect. Neglect. One report that I read said that in the United States alone, there are more than half a million reports of elder abuse or neglect every year. Every year, more than half a million reports, and millions more cases go unreported. Millions more cases go unreported every single year of elder abuse or elder neglect. Neglect is a big thing. Because when people are neglected, you hear things like bed sores and falling and nobody even attending to them, sexual abuse, physical abuse, when people are neglected. That's why I encourage if you have some loved one in a nursing home or ALF, check on them. You visit them on a regular basis. Amen? Always make sure you know how they're doing. Amen? Because neglect is a real issue. This other area that we hear about so often is Child neglect. Child neglect is where caregivers deprive children of their basic needs, basic needs such as adequate supervision. If you don't properly supervise your child, that's neglect. If you don't provide uh, adequate health care, that's neglect. Clothing and housing, that's neglect. Or if you don't provide a proper physical, emotional, social, educational, and safety needs, 
that's neglect. And that's why we have some of the people who work in the, in the uh, social work field. And we have some people right here. Sister Paulette, in fact, uh, it's, it's some of the numbers I've heard here recently, particularly the men we met with. Uh, we had a meeting uh, last Saturday. Uh, Brother uh, Jeffrey Ford came and visited us from Man Up, and our men are getting involved in uh, now the mentoring and in the foster system to help deal with young men who are going through this because uh, so many times the neglect is so bad. I mean, they're, they're really overwhelmed. Am I right about it? They're overwhelmed because the neglect is so common. In fact, here's what the CDC says. The CDC says, y'all know the CDC? Mask and no mask CDC? Same people. They said at least one in seven children have experienced child abuse and or neglect in the past year. And that's by low estimates. Now, one of the things, if you remember when uh, COVID, uh, the pandemic hit, that one of the dangerous things that they talked about with kids not being in school for that long was abuse and neglect went unnoticed. And it led to more abuse and more neglect because when a child has to go to school, kind of, you know, things kind of, you know, you can kind of, uh, kind of dies down because they know they're going to be reported. So one in seven by low estimates. Then they reported in 2019, 1,840 children died of, of abuse and neglect in the United States alone. Listen to this. The total lifetime economic burden associated with child abuse and neglect was approximately, this is back 2015, $428 billion. $428 billion is the economic impact of neglect. Yet, watch this. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Look, look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 10, 11. In fact, they're going to put it up in the uh, contemporary English version. I want you to see this. Matthew 18, 10, 11 in the CEV. It says, don't be cruel to any of these little ones. This is Jesus talking. Don't be cruel to any of these little ones. I promise you, their angels are always with my Father in heaven. Jesus said, you better be careful how you treat these little children. He took neglect and abuse seriously when it comes to little children. Psalm 127 verse 3 in the same translation, Psalm 127 3 says this, children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. How many of your parents agree with that? Children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. People know it when they first have the children. I told you, you get excited, you buy all the little clothes, the little onesies and all the little... When that nudist wears off. You used to read stories every night, now you just get on there with an iPad, didn't do what you want to do. That's neglect, ladies and gentlemen. To send your children to a room with a little device, because that device cannot nurture. That device cannot train. It cannot love them. So children are being emotionally neglected even in households with two parents. Thank you, Lord. Children are precious. Everybody say that. Children are precious. Now, precious things require care and attention. And so we're talking on these last two messages here about neglect, not neglecting this precious gift that Jesus Christ gave us called salvation. Hebrews 2.3 calls it great salvation, a great 
salvation. How many of y'all in here are saved this morning? And you're glad about it. It's a great salvation. Now, I want to just review very quickly, please. So let's, let's go through this real quick. In Hebrews 2.1, he talks about the danger that we face of drifting away. Remember that? He says we must give more earnestly to the things we've heard lest we drift away. So there's a danger of, of us drifting away. We don't want to drift. What causes people to drift? If they don't give heed to the word. If they don't pay attention to the word of God. Right? So we got to obey what we know to be true. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, verse 14 rather. 2 Timothy 3 verse 14 says we must continue in the things which we have learned and been assured of. I showed you that last, this past Wednesday. We got to continue in what we've learned and been assured of. Because remember now, if we don't, he says you'll drift away. How many of y'all know some Christians who have drifted away? Even as Pastor Kim has mentioned, you can still be coming to church every Sunday and drifted. You're not as perky as you used to be. You're not as alert as you used to be. You're not as attentive as you used to be. And still coming to church and think that, that because you're coming to church, you're good. You know, a lot of people who come to church are going to miss the rapture. Y'all just saying that. A lot of folks who come, who come to church are going to bust hell wide open, thinking that, that, that because they came to church, they are all right. But coming to church does not get you into heaven or to the, to the good things of God. If you drift, you'll miss it. I mean, he wouldn't even deal with, ladies and gentlemen, he wouldn't even deal with drift, drifting away if drifting away was, was not a bad thing. So he's not, not just talking about drifting away and, well, I'm just kind of distant from God. He's talking about drifting away until the point where you end up disconnecting from God. There are people who will disconnect from God and still be in church every Sunday. It's easy to identify those who disconnected and we don't see them in church ever. But what about when you're here every Sunday and disconnected from God? So he says how to, how to, how to remedy that is you pay more attention to the word. Hallelujah. You got to be aware of what I call the Mars Hill Syndrome. Remember the Mars Hill, Areopagus in Acts 17, 21? They were asking Paul, hey, Paul, come talk to us about this newfangled thing you're talking about, which what Paul's talking about was, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it said the people there, they were these philosophers, these uh, Athenians, who all, all they did was sat around all day long wanting to hear and talk about the, the next greatest thing. On the screen, it says they, they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And what people do is people get caught up in soul candy. You hear somebody on Facebook, somebody on YouTube, preaching something, teaching something, and now all of a sudden you get caught up all up in this newfangled thing that they're saying and leave what you've been taught, leave what you've known, leave the foundation of the scriptures, and now you've drifted away off from God because you've left the foundation of the scriptures because they sat, what they said sounded so deep and spiritual so deep and intellectual and so deep and wonderful, they use a lot of four-syllable words and you thought, wow, they must be so deep. 
All right. Y'all got this here. Okay, let's keep going here. Back in Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, 2. He showed us, says, For if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Quickly, what he's saying there is people who disobeyed the law of Moses, they got punishment. Right? So then he says, based on that in verse 3, now how shall we, I keep, I keep coming, going in and out. Y'all hear that? Y'all got to just fix something. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape? In other words, verse 2, they didn't escape. So how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, point he's saying is, you are not going to escape if you neglect this great salvation. Glory to God. So salvation is our great escape. Y'all see that? Now, we went through this Wednesday night, and I said, the question is, escape from what? So can I just review that real quick? Very quickly, review from what? We saw in Luke 21, 36, Jesus Christ says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be kind of worthy to escape all these things. So if you read the 21st chapter of Luke, you'll see these things that he talked about. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes and divers, places, all these kind of things that were going to happen, being persecuted, all these things that were going to happen in Luke 21. At the end of days, he says, so you watch and pray that you can be counted worthy to escape all these things. Otherwise, we want to be out of here when Jesus comes. I, as we used to say back in the old days, I want to go out on the first load. <laughs> I don't want to be left down here trying to figure this thing out. I want to be ready when he comes. Somebody say, I want to be ready when he comes. In other words, whatever it takes to be ready, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Because he is coming back. I said he is coming back. Hallelujah. That means you and I can't get caught up in all the things that are going on in this world and, act and forget he's coming back. We can fall into this whole casual attitude, casual approach about church and about Christian life just acting as if he's not going to come back, but he is going to come back. And he said that day should not catch you unaware. What the devil has done with all this goofy, greasy grace teaching is giving the body of Christ a big, giant sleeping pill, and people are going to, going to sleep. That's why Paul said, awake thou that sleepest, and Christ will give you light. People have grown casual with God, casual with their Christianity, casual with holiness, casual with sanctification, and cool and comfortable with the world. Who am I talking to in this place here? Want to follow all the trends of the world. Want to do the things that the world does. Want to do the things that the world approves of. That even some, some cold, lukewarm preachers approve of, and because this preacher approves of it, you think it's okay. And when God says it's okay, you take a chance, ladies and gentlemen, of missing the rapture. Shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He's saying you will not escape if you neglect this salvation. 
all these things. All these things. I'm saved and I'm going to stay saved. If I wasn't walking with God, I'd start walking with God today. In Luke 21, you know, he mentions something called this phrase, wars and rumors. Wars and rumors. Have you seen the news in the last few days? Well, there's always been wars. Yeah, there's always been wars. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been all these things. But there are other things that had not been fulfilled yet. Now, many, in fact, based on what I have read and listened to other men of God and women of God teach on this, everything has been fulfilled now that Jesus Christ, his return is now imminent. The stage is set. And I don't want to take a chance of missing my great escape from all these things. Glory to God. Matthew 23, verse 33. Matthew 23, 33. Here's another thing we escape from. Hellfire. Serpents, brutal vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Somebody say hell is real. Hell is real. And there are people in the church teaching that it's not real. There's one man who I had all, oh man, just, I mean, his music still today. I still have his music today. Bishop Carlton Pearson. Grew up church of God in Christ. Sanctified, Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal. Sat under Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin. Great men of God. Had influence all over the world, preaching and teaching and lead, leading people in gospel music and singing. And mine snapped. Started getting over into this universalism teaching. Inclusion teaching. And before you know it now, he's preaching that hell is not even real. There is no hell and the devil himself will be saved. You call his name? Yes, Paul called names too, so stop looking at me like that. And as your shepherd, I need to tell you to warn you about these names. So I'm not trying to get into anybody's in, in crowd, anybody's circles. I don't care about anybody's names. I care about you. Protecting you from the dangerous things that are out there that are being taught. That if you let these things get into your spirit, you all of a sudden have this inclusion, this universalism where everybody's going to heaven. And there are, there are many ways to God. That's what some of these great men of God, great men of God, notable men of God in this country are teaching that there are many ways to God. Put on the spot, they're asking him, well, are you saying that, that you know, Jesus is the only way to God? Well, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I'm not, not going to say Jesus is the only way to God. You better say it, Joel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way. And if you don't go that one way, you will not escape hellfire. I'm not going to hell for you, for nobody. Romans 2, 3, Romans 2, 3, Romans 2, 3. Glory to God. Another way to escape, he says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 3. God's judgment here. And do you think this, O man, of, o man, 
you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of hell, the judgment of God, rather? So you and I can't talk about what other folk do and then do the same things. That makes you a hypocrite. Oh, you see what they're doing, but in the closet, you're doing the same thing. You hear what they're doing, but when you go on vacation, you're doing the same thing they're doing. He said, you're not going to escape God's judgment. Let me get going. 1 Thessalonians 5.3. 1 Thessalonians 5.3. I was listening the other day, or yesterday actually, and I listened to what these people in the, in the United Nations and NATO Y'all know UN or NATO? These world organizations, I'm listening to them in their response to the Russian-Ukrainian conflict that's going on right now. I don't want to call it a war because it ain't a war yet. <laughs> little, little Ukraine against big old Russia. It ain't, it ain't no war. <laughs> that's a slaughter. Unless Jesus intervenes. And I'm listening because I'm waiting to hear these words. Because here's what Paul said, for when they say, because see what the Antichrist is going to come and deal with is trying to bring peace on the earth. The Antichrist, when he comes, he's going to try to give people this sense that he's the person that has the answers to the world's problems. That when there's all this conflict, because we're looking, we're talking about, because listen to me, listen to me. Uh, if you think Putin only wants Ukraine, you're missing it. He's trying to reassemble the USSR, the Soviet Union. Because he is Gog and Magog of Revelation. And so there's more to it. So the Antichrist has to come and present that he's the answer. And I'm listening, so listen up. The moment you hear them say peace and safety, watch what he said. Then sudden Destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. So our salvation is an escape from sudden destruction. It's coming. Sudden destruction is coming. That's why you don't invest your heart in your house. That's why you don't invest your heart in your business. You don't invest your heart in your career. Have a house, a great house. Have a business. Have a great business. Have a great career. But don't put your heart in that because sudden destruction is going to come. And you want to be out of here when it comes. <laughs> I'm about to get up out of here. Look at this, 2 Timothy 2.26. 2 Timothy 2.26. Glory to God. And that they may come to their senses... Give me verse 25 just for a little bit of reference. Verse 25, I tried to limit this. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So people who are sinners, y'all know what sinners are, right? Heathens, unbelievers, they are captive by the enemy. They think they're free. They think they have liberty. I can just do what I want. That's what they think. They don't understand. Just like you and I were, we used to be slaves to the devil. 
We couldn't control ourselves. We were being controlled by the devil. But you and I have escaped by salvation. So the hope is when we preach and teach to others who are in opposition, we want them to learn the truth so that they can also come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Hallelujah. 2 Peter 1.4. 2 Peter 1.4. 2 Peter 1.4. By which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the what? Divine nature having escaped what? That is in the world through us. This is not talking about political corruption and business corruption. This is talking about corruption, decay. Sickness, disease, rot, death. That's corruption. All right. Over in Galatians uh, 6, he says, He that sows of the flesh shall of the flesh reap what? Corruption. So he's not talking about fraud and bribery. He's talking about you're going to reap, when you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap this decay. Aging. Aging and maturing are two different things. Aging, where, where the, the effects of aging just begin to wear your body down. That's corruption. But the Bible says you and I have escaped it. That's why you look better than all your classmates. They come holler at you, hey girl, how you doing? You're like, they say, you remember me, Sapie High School? You were my teacher? I was in your class. You, oh, that's you. What happened? They're still under the bondage of corruption. Romans 8, they're under the bondage of corruption. But you and I are walking in the glorious liberty of the children of God. We are, we've escaped corruption. He renews our youth as the eagles. So the older we get, the better we look. I better come over here. Because they didn't get it. The older we get, the better we look. You know yourself. You, you look at some of your old pictures, you're like, ooh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Second Peter 2.18 and 20. Second Peter 2.18 and 20. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So you and I, as believers, we have escaped those who live in error. That means, watch this, watch this. You may not like this part, but it's, it's your reality. You escape from your bad company. The folk you used to run with, you don't run with anymore. Uh-oh, y'all didn't say anything. The folk you used to hang with, you don't hang with anymore. No, some of y'all still hanging with them. The folk you used to run with, you don't run with any longer. No, I, I still hang with them. That's your problem right there. See, the Bible says you've escaped those who live in error. See, and people who know this is true deep, we're the ones who are like, you know, so-and-so just cut me off. That was my cousin. They, my cousin just cut me off. They didn't just cut you off. God cut them off. And here you are trying to reconnect 
with someone God disconnected you from because that's my cousin. That's my cousin Pete. Your cousin gonna get you back in the club. Your cousin gonna get you back at the casino. Your cousin gonna get you back in the back alley smoking weed again. Matter of fact, your cousin got some stuff you ain't even touched before. Your cousin got some new stuff they own. They own some new stuff, and God cut you off, and here you are trying to reconnect. God says, no, your salvation, I disconnected you. You escaped from those who live in error. So stop trying to always run with the folk that you know used to drag you down. Y'all ain't saying that y'all ain't excited. I understand. But pastor, how, how am I going to reach them then? How am I going to reach them then? You want to reach them when God gives you what to say and what to do. Because if you don't, you're going to go back in your flesh. And your flesh can't handle the smell of that weed. I said, your flesh can't handle the smell of that weed. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Y'all... Your, you, your flesh can't handle that conversation. Because they're going to tell you who they was with last night, and then you're going to be, yeah, I remember that. Oh, I'm, yeah, oh, oh, no, we don't do that no more. You escaped. Well, I don't, I, I don't have many friends I used to have. No man who's left father or mother or children or wife or house or land for my sake in the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. So for every friend that you lost from the world, God will give you a hundred friends in the body of Christ if you open your eyes to your new way of living. Almost since I'm there. But the devil will tell you, but here's how he'll get you. But now you don't want them church folk in your business. That's how I get you. You don't want them church folk in your business because the church folk be in your business. But you'll let the world be all up in your business. You'll let heathens who don't know their hair from their behind be all up in your business. Tell them everything. You'll tell them everything. And God has said, wait a minute, I cut you off from that. Oh, over in the book of Leviticus, he said, I've, I have separated you. He said, I have severed you. I severed you. Clean cut you off. Not only do I escape the, those who live in error, verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, so does I also escape the pollution. I escape pollution. All the smell, all the smoke, all the trash, all the filth. I escape the pollution of the world. I escape the pollution of the world. It's polluted. Filthy, nasty. You escaped. Hallelujah. 
but the thing about the world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are people who pollution is normal. Okay, let me help somebody. I, I, I don't want to offend anybody. Let me just try to say it delicately. You can live in certain neighborhoods and trash all in the yard is normal. Beer bottles all in the yard is normal. Old diapers is normal. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Pollution is normal. And here you go, and you go, you go on vacation. You don't go on vacation to that kind of hood. Come on, right about it. When you go on vacation, you're trying to get as far away from that kind of hood. From that kind of, you want to go to some place that's clean and pristine and nice and beautiful. Now, what happens if you move to some place like that? Now you're, you should be. Something happens where you're no longer comfortable back over here. But what happens is in the spirit, the de- God got us out of the pollution. And the devil tried to get us to bring it. So now we in the new hood. And we've thrown bottles and old diapers and God has said that ain't how we act over here in the kingdom. The kingdom is a new hood. Tell you neighbor, the kingdom is a new hood. It's a whole new hood. You can't bring the word into the kingdom. That ain't how we operate. In the kingdom there's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't bring that old junk into the new into the kingdom of God. You know, that's what the Bible says, that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us. The word translate means to transport, means to move. We've changed addresses. We've changed our realm. We've changed our our dimension. We're in the kingdom of God now. So we've escaped all that. We've escaped all that. Oh, Jesus. So salvation is our escape. Jesus delivered us from all that. The devil didn't want us to be out. And had he known that crucifying the Lord of glory would have freed all of us, he wouldn't have done it. It was a setup from the beginning. Hallelujah. Now, this says here, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So great a salvation. That word neglect is the Greek word amaleo, which means, listen to what it means, to be careless of. This is you and your salvation. Be careless of. To neglect comes from two words G1, ah, and G3999, Malay, which means to be careless of, to make light of. So how shall you escape if you make light of your salvation? 
That's why it puzzles me when we talk about, you know, when, to, to me, the, as a believer, as, as a preacher, to me, if, if, if I say Jesus, something ought to just... Something ought to just quicken it. If, if you say Jesus. Hallelujah. I remember when, uh, before my wife and I were married, before we were a, an item. And uh, this 22 years now. Uh, my friend and I, we were hanging out and uh, he was asking me, you know, what I was looking for and, you know, and the wife and da-da-da. I was describing this person. I, I basically described her. And, uh, and then, every time he said our name, boy, it was like just... <laughs> and he would say, oh, I saw... Oh. And y'all know, I know y'all gonna be like, Pastor was a simp. Yeah, I was, I was a simp. Pastor was a simp. If you don't know what a simp is, ask one of the teenagers, they'll tell you what a simp is. I was a simp. And it was just, Kimberly Oliver. Ooh, my goodness. I'm just serious. I'll, I'll call me a simp, but I was a simp. Ain't no, ain't no shame being a simp. Yeah, unless you're getting played. If you're getting played, then you see. But everybody plays a fool sometimes, so it's just. <laughs> it wasn't the case. And, uh, but what happens when you get married? Now you're with each other every day. You're, you're married and you're, I mean, we've been, we've been together really nonstop for 22 years. I mean, I'm talking about working the same place pretty much and, you know, home every day. We don't do separate vacations and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, well, you know, somewhere at the time, you know, you can, you can hear the name and it doesn't move you. It doesn't move you. And when you catch it, you got to say, wait a minute. I need that to move me. No, I'm serious. You, know, you got to stir yourself up, husbands, wives. You got to stir yourself up. To the point now that when the phone rings and there's the name. Oh. So here it is now. We're married almost 22 years. And when her name comes up or a text comes, this is my wife. Oh, I get excited. Pastor, you still a simp? I'm still a simp. And every day when I pray, I thank God for my wife. Every, I thank God for my wife. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my wife. Now, what is that doing? Well, one, I'm expressing my thanksgiving, but two, it's also reinforcing in me the value of my wife. So my point is, when it comes to salvation, 
I've got to stay sturdy about my salvation. That I don't ever take my salvation and neglect it as if it's not anything important. That now, like I said, if I say Jesus and nothing moves in you, you got to say, wait a minute, why, why, why didn't I move? Why, why didn't I move? Oh, well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saving. I know I'm saved. Well, I'm married. I know I'm married too. But something ought to quicken. When you mention my wife. So when I mention salvation or Jesus, if something doesn't move you, you might need to check your salvation. Oh my. As you're saying I wasn't saved, I'm not saying you weren't saved. I'm saying maybe you've neglected it now to the point that it's lost its value to you. Because, see, now you're not drinking no more. You're not cussing no more. You're not fornicating no more. You're not doing all the big things. But salvation isn't just about what you don't do. Salvation is also about what you do do. I know that don't sound good, but you, there's something you, something you need to do, do. See? See, and you can become so casual about your salvation that it loses its value to you. And here you are floating through life, I'm saved, and then here's the thing, here, here's the danger of that, watch this, you all of a sudden then develop this arrogance and this pride about your salvation, that you look at other folk because they're still drinking, and they're still cussing, and they're still smoking, and they're still sleeping around, and you all of a sudden think, well, you're all that because, well, I don't do that stuff. There's a lot of married men that don't go home either, but they still marry. Oh, they're still married. It's still legal, but they don't go home. Oh, they go home and they retreat to their, their man cave. Or what you call it? What, what do women have? Women have something. She shed. It's, it's the she's too. They retreat to that. They're still married legally. But there's no fellowship. There's no more excitement. I'm married. That's what some married for. There's no more excitement. Y'all ain't saying that. There's no more excitement. If you've lost your excitement, you need, you need, you need some time to rekindle that fire. Two days and reconnect. So some of you can sit right up here in church and have become religious on me. Because you're not doing the stuff that other folk do. And yet there's no fire. There's no fire. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no excitement when somebody says Jesus. Come on, praise God. You mean that's how you're going to praise the one who got you out of hell? Have you forgot you were on your way to hell? Have you forgot you were on your way to hell very fast with gasoline draws on? Have you forgot you were on your way to hell? 
Bible, you on your way to hell. Did you forget you were on your way to hell? Oh no, when I got saved, I wasn't bad. You what you was good on your way to hell. Oh no, I was raised in church. On your way to hell. good stuff on your way to hell and I told you if God doesn't give me a mansion on a hill if he doesn't give me my own jet if I don't have my own yacht if I don't have my own big arena if I don't have any of that as long as I know he got me out of hell God I'm gonna spend the rest of my life just giving you praise thank you Lord because I know I was on my way to hell need to remind yourself about that every day. Stop tooting your nose up at other people because they still don't. You were just like them. You were on your way to a devil's hell. to neglect, to be negligent, no regard, to have no regard for your salvation. That's what happens to a person, I'm going to just use a man because I'm a man, a man who entertains the thoughts of another woman when he's married. A man who entertains the thoughts, who, who has the woman a job, who she flutters her little eyes. Where's a little low top? And you hang out in her office because she got the little low top on. She wears the, 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 high, the high skirt intentionally. A seducing woman. A man who has no regard for his marriage will spend unnecessary time oh look at all y'all men look at all y'all looking in her presence because you have no regard you now think lightly of your marriage just look straight ahead Cheat, we didn't do nothing. You did. Yes, you did. According to Jesus. According to Jesus, he said, You've already committed adultery in your heart. In your heart. It's already a done deal in your heart. And it's just as bad in your heart as it is in the bed. And the only way to get there. It's to have no regard. It's to make light of. And it's the same thing that happens with our salvation. We're saved. 
Jesus saved us. But when we make light of it and have no regard for it, then I can watch vile things on television. Y'all got quiet. Everybody got I can watch vile things on television. Knowing Jesus lives in, Jesus is living inside of me. He's inside of me. And when I sit down and let myself be entertained by the world, I'm making no regard for the salvation that I have. When I can laugh and hee-haw at the world's foolishness, I'm making light of my salvation. I can sit and listen to folk cussing. Well, I wasn't cussing. But you carrying Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost around inside you, and if you even indulge in a conversation. Pastor, you said I'm going to hell for that? I'm not saying you're going to hell for that. I'm not talking about you going to hell for that. I'm talking about the fact that the more you make light of it, the more you disregard it, before you know it, you will walk away from what God gave you. Jesus said, all of that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise cast out. So he won't cast you out, but you'll walk out. That's what the Bible calls apostasy. Is it real? If it wasn't real, the Bible wouldn't talk about it. Apostasy is real. Apostasy is when a Christian says, I no longer want this. And they walk away. Well, they still get to to go to heaven. How? How? See, that's some of that universalism teaching. And the devil has tricked the body of Christ into making light of something that's that's the most precious thing we can ever have is our salvation. He'll trick us into making more of getting a new house from God. About getting a new car from God. Than about going to new levels in Christ. And people spend all their time going after, I'm, I'm going to a new level. I'm going to, they don't mean in God. They're talking about in their house, in their living, in their cars, in their driving, in their clothes. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to shop different than I ever shopped. That's what they mean when people, I'm going to a new level. Every conference, they know, ain't, there aren't many conferences about you getting higher and deeper with, in your walk with God. It's about things. I'm not against things, and God is not against things. God wants you to have things. Not at the expense of your salvation. Jesus Christ said it this way. What will it profit a man to gain, come on, the whole world and lose his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? Do things become more important than the salvation itself? Am I so desperate to get married that I forget my relationship with Jesus? Hey, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
do I compromise my walk trying to get my desires? Do I compromise my walk for how I feel? And what happens is people will neglect and disregard their salvation. Before you know it, they've walked away from it. Jesus, help us, Lord. Look at this. Look at this here about neglect. Proverbs 24, verse 30 and 31. Proverbs 24, verse 30 and 31. I want you to see this. Hallelujah. He says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. He's describing a man who neglects his field. I went by the field of the lazy man. Now, your field is your heart. I went by that field of the lazy man. Now, the lazy man, it's still his field. It's still his field. He's just lazy. He's negligent. And by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. Go to the next verse. And there it was. Here's what I found when I saw him. Here's what I found when I looked at that man who was negligent. All overgrown with thorns. All overgrown with thorns. Now thorns represent cares of this life. Mark 4, Matthew 13, Luke chapter 8. Thorns are represent snares. They represent uh, cares that you get caught up in. The thorny ground. So he said this man who was negligent, he allowed his field to be overgrown. Overgrown with thorns. His field, he wasn't guarding his heart with all diligence. He let cares of life consume him. So he still had the field, but the field was now useless because it was more thorns overgrown with thorns. If there was more thorns than good ground in it. So he no longer was producing anything that was beneficial. Now corruption had taken over. Thorns. Overgrown with thorns. Caught up with the world. More interested than in the influences on TikTok. Than the influence. I don't know, I don't know 12 characters in the Bible, but I know all 36 influences on TikTok. Can't name who wrote two books in the Bible, but know who wrote all the books out there on business. Can't, can't recall one psalm, but can sing all the young boy songs. You know the psalms are just songs. They're songs, but you can go every lyric, lyrics that we, most folk my age can't even understand the lyrics. Can't, I don't understand, what, what, what are they saying? I don't, I don't understand what they're even saying. What? What did you just say, bro? Give me some of that trap music where they kind of slow it down a little bit or something. Don't trap on me, slow it down.
Slow down a little bit. Overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Nettles is another word for weeds. Weeds is part of the corruption. Thorns, nettles, weeds. It, then look at this last part. Its stone wall was broken down. Now that's big. Its stone wall was broken down. That's a picture of what the Bible calls an unruly spirit. Look at this scripture. Put it on the screen for us, please. Put up Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. Look at this. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So when you have no walls, you're defenseless. You have no rule over your own spirit. So the lazy man, the one who's negligent about his salvation, will at some point develop this place, come to this place where he now has no rule over his own spirit, which means he can't control himself anymore. He's gone from this escape from error, escape from corruption, escape from the world to now I'm back doing what I can't, what I didn't. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Put up Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Glory to God. Glory to God. Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken a trespass, how does a believer, y'all missed that. This is for the church. How does a believer get overtaken in a trespass. Overtaken doesn't mean, you know, he slipped. Overtaken means I'm no longer in control. This, this thing is ruling over me now. How does he get from walking with God, praising God, to now he's overtaken in the fall? In a trespass. He neglected salvation. Took it lightly and began to let thorns and nettles grow up to the point now the wall of his defense, his wall of security, his wall was now broken down and now things come in and now he does any old thing he ever thought he wanted to do. All right, let me wrap this up here. Don't take your salvation lightly. Let's read this. Philippians 2.12 Amplified Classic. What do I do, Pastor? What do I do? to keep from going back out there in the world? What do I do from, to keep from departing? What do I do to keep from backsliding? What do I do to keep from becoming an apostate? What do I do from slipping back out there to keep from slipping back out there? How do I stay in the race? Philippians 2.12, Amplified Classic, says this, Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you will show in my presence, in other words, this is not just about how you act at church. Tell your neighbor, this is more than just church. But much more because I am absent. So even while you're at work, ain't no Christians around. While you're on vacation and the church folk have no clue where you are. He says, work out. Now look at what this word work out means from the Greek. Cultivate. That's what you do for ground. If you want to get rid of thorns and nettles is you cultivate that ground. Watch what he says. Carry out to the goal 
and fully complete. Fully complete. Don't just start this race. Fully complete this thing. Your own salvation with reverence. This is not being light with it. And awe and trembling. Boy, I don't know if y'all got this. I hope, I hope what I'm seeing on your faces is conviction. I pray that what I'm seeing on your faces right now is the Spirit of God working on you to say, hey, I got to get myself back right. Back right, Pastor. I'm not out there. I'm not talking about you being out there. If you've lost the joy of your salvation, David said, God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart. If you've lost the joy of your salvation, it's because you now neglect it. You've lost your appreciation for being delivered. You put your salvation on cruise control. We've made our, our salvation like it's driving a Tesla autonomous car. We just put it in, tell it where you want it to go, and now just kick back. That's not how salvation works. He says, you got to work at your salvation. you got to work at it. you got to be fully engaged in your salvation. I wish I had a church here today. He says, in, with reverence and awe and trembling. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Man, I just got to say this to you. I know we preach a lot about prosperity, but prosperity, you having money is not more important than you being saved, ladies and gentlemen. People get excited to talk about money, but you talk about this and nobody want to say anything because you've got you become covetous. You've got money on your brain now. And you're in danger of hellfire. Because Paul told Timothy, he said, warn those who are chasing money. They're seeking to be rich. Yeah, I want you to be rich. Yeah, God wants you to be rich, but not at the expense of your soul. And if you get more excited about a rich, a prosperity scripture than a salvation scripture, something's wrong with you. You fall and you better wake yourself back up. People run around the church about business. People run around the church about increase. Put my walk with God and nobody... You can't take a dime to heaven. And you can't take a billion to hell. So that's not what's important. It's me walking with God. With reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust. Don't trust your, your, yourself. Follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Don't follow your heart. Your heart will get you in trouble. Your heart, the one had you in that relationship last year and 10 years ago, your heart will mess you up. With serious, with serious caution. Can y'all see that? With serious caution. Tenderness of conscience. means keeping your conscience tender where you can hear God. Okay, okay. All right, God, am, am, I, am I in the right way here? God, am I doing this right? God, am I, okay. I want to make sure. I want, my, I want my life to be well-pleasing to you, Father. 
Lord, if I did anything, if I said anything, if I thought anything that's, that's pleasing, Lord, show it to me. I don't want there to be anything between me and you, God. committing adultery. I know I'm not out there fornicating. I know I'm not out there smoking weed. I know I'm not out there doing that. But God, if I've done anything, if I have a thought in my mind about somebody, if I have any unforgiveness, if I have any resentment, if I have any bitterness about somebody, God, I need you to make that clear to me because I, I need to get it straight right now. I can't afford to have anything between me and you. This is how I pray every day. Pastor, you scared you done wrong? No, I ain't scared I done wrong. I just want to make sure that if God is something I've done that I don't realize. If I was hard with somebody, bring it to my attention, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Watchfulness against temptation, uh-oh. Watchfulness against temptation, uh-oh. Watchfulness against temptation. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, there's temptations out there. Watchfulness against it. That's why some of y'all need to read your Bible in a Bible and not online. You struggle with pornography, you don't need to read your Bible online. You need to read your Bible in the Bible. Watchful against it. You know TV shows, they're going to show naked folk. Don't watch that. Christians, what are you doing going to R-rated movies? Oh, I'm back up. All right. All right, let's, ushers, greeters, let's, uh, we're going to go down. Let's go. Oh, no, we didn't go. We watched it on Netflix. Why are you bringing that into your home? <laughs> Pastor, you meddling. You doggone right on meddling. Why are you bringing that into your home? Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church. Why are you bringing that into your home or your phone, into your mind? You know they're going to be cussing. You know they're going to be half naked or fully naked. You know it. You know it already before you pay your $14. You know it. I don't know what it costs. I ain't been to movies in years. I don't really care. They, they don't put anything out that I want to see. I'm not going to pay them to tempt me. That is stupid. To pay them to tempt me? Pay them to feed? That, that's like paying somebody to feed you junk. Pastor, go on ahead. Now, go on ahead. You mess it. I know it. I know it. But I'm trying to safeguard your salvation. Because you think it has no, it doesn't have any impact on you. Use a lie. That's why you go to sleep at night. You dream them kind of dreams at night. Pastor, I don't know why I'm having these kind of dreams. Well, you just sat and watched two hours worth of cussing and fighting and danger scene and horror film and, 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 and booty shaking. And you, you watched all that. 
don't, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You ain't got to struggle. Be watchful against temptation. I better, keep, I better move on. Let me finish this chapter and send y'all home. Hopefully y'all will come back and you don't quit our church. Watch this last part. Watch this last part. Y'all see this last part? Timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. You call yourself a Christian, but you're going to keep on watching and listening to things that you know offends God. You know it. And if you can sit there for two hours and watch it or five minutes listen to that filthy song and nothing gets shaken in you, you're not saved. You're not saved. Oh, I'm a Christian. You're not born again. Oh, but I joined the church 12 years ago. I didn't, I didn't say nobody joined the church. I said you're not born again. Oh, no, I speak in tongues. <laughs> Jesus said there was people out there casting out devils, healing the sick, they were doing all kind of stuff. He said, tell, tell them to depart from me. I do not even know. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> gifts and callings are without repentance. You can walk in all kinds of gifts and callings and do not know God at all. And he said, I do not know you. The Bible says, the Bible says, the foundation of the Lord stands sure having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, he said, leave that filth alone. <laughs> Pastor, you hard. I love you. 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 And nothing you can do about it. I love you. Ain't nothing you can do about it. I'm going to tell you like Paul said in Galatians. He said, am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? He tells us in Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love. So I'm speaking the truth because I love you. And I don't want you playing around with something that's so precious. My children are precious to me. That's why from the time they've been born, they were born, they couldn't just go and uh, hang out with people at people's houses. Oh, but no, that's, that's your auntie. I don't care. Who, auntie, I don't, I don't care. Oh, but that's your cousin. I don't care nothing about no cousin and no auntie. I'm not going to let them put no filth in my children's heads. Because I got to answer to God for how I raised them. So if I'm going to protect them like that, how much am I going to protect my salvation? Luana, let's not even talk about the anointing. Let's not even mention about protecting the anointing. No, I'm just talking about protecting your salvation. Let's not even mention, Barbara, the anointing. About the calling of God in your life. About God's purpose. Let's not even mention the purpose that God puts on your life. Let alone being saved and going to heaven. What about God using you in the earth? 
When you get a hold of God's purpose, his assignment, his destiny for your life, his calling, you say, no, I refuse to engage with anything that's going to jeopardize that anointing. That even if other folk think it's okay and they can go to heaven, I'm not going to jeopardize my anointing. Because I'm not, I'm not just trying to go to heaven. I want to be used by God. I only had three people saying that. I want to be used by God. I want God to use me. I want God to be able to speak through me. I want God to be able to work through me. I want to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. I want to cast out devils. I want to raise the dead. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see them. I want to see God use me. So whatever it takes to protect the anointing, I'm going to do it. So what things may be all right for other people, it's all right for me because I've got to protect this anointing. Even if things are lawful, they may not, may not all be expedient. Don't profit me anything. Well, maybe that's not a good way to end this series, but I've got a mind to live right. I've got a mind to live right. I've got a mind to live right every day. Since my Lord gave me this mind to live right, I've got a mind to live right. We used to say this too back in the old days. If mama don't go, if daddy don't go, if brother don't go, if sister don't go, I will go. I'll go all the way if I have to go by myself. I want you to come with me, but if you don't go, I'm still going. If you don't want to walk right, that's fine, but I'm going to still walk right. If you don't want to live right, that's your choice, but I'm still going to live right. Mayan, why? Because salvation is free, but it costs Jesus everything. And I'm not going to diminish the value of his sacrifice for five minutes of pleasure, two hours of soul candy. He's done too much for me. I value him too much. Oh, you're no fun. You don't want, you don't want to just hang out? I'll hang out. What are we going to talk about? Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Roman. What are we going to talk about? Which one are we going to talk about? Proverbs? Okay, let's go, let's go Proverbs then. You choose one, 66. No, I don't want to talk about that. Well, I, I'm not hanging out with you. Pastor, you boring. <laughs> yep. I'm saved. And I'm enjoying my salvation. And I want to maintain the joy of my salvation. 
walking with God. Put this last scripture up, please. Second John chapter 1, verse 8. Second John 1, verse 8. Some of you have come a long ways. Come on, tell the truth. You know you've come a long ways. I mean, I'm not where I need to be. I'm a long ways from where I used to be. I know God has more for me. I know that there's things he want me to, wants me to do. And know there's some, some areas he's still working out. Right? You know, we just read Philippians 2, right? Work out your own, your own salvation. But he says before, that he says, he, or after that he says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Right? So, so God's still working some areas in our lives out. But I'm thanking God, but I'm not where I was. I'm a living testimony. As the Bible said, we're living epistles. The Bible says we're living epistles read by all men. You know what that means? You know what it means? People are reading your life. People who may never pick up this Bible, they're reading your life. So what are you demonstrating to them? What are you showing them by your life? We don't want your life, you don't want you to be some fictional book. We want you to be nonfiction, the truth, the real story. And I can tell you where I was, where I came from. When Jesus came into my life, he changed my life. Here's where I am, and I can see where he's taking me, and I'm not going back. I can't go back to the way it used to be before his presence came and changed me. Second John chapter 1 verse 8. There's only one chapter in 2 John, right? Verse 8 he says, no, start at verse, verse uh, 7. Start at verse 7. Verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and, and an antichrist. Verse 8. Look to yourselves. Tell your neighbor he's talking to you here. That we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive full reward. Can you give me three through eleven, nine, ten, eleven? Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine or teaching of Christ does not have God. See that? Whoever does not abide. Abide means stay. Does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, if anyone does not bring this teaching right here, that you got to stay with it. He says, don't receive them into your house nor greet him. Don't even talk to them. They keep bringing you some other kind of teaching. He said, don't talk to them. That's Bible. For he who greets him, watch this, shares in his evil deeds. 
Well, it's tight, but it's right. Why would John say this? Because he's saying, I don't want you to lose out on what you've gained. This sweet salvation that God has given to us, it's worth, it's worth everything we, get, we have to give up. This is how deep it is, Dwight. This is what Jesus said. If you love your father or your mother more than me, or your children more than me, you're not worth me. Jesus, you're rough. He said, if you don't love me more than your mother, your father, your children, your sister, your brother, your cousin, and him, he said, you don't deserve me. He is demanding. But the rewards of us becoming complicit with him, agreeing with him, oh, it's beyond, it's more, it's beyond this whole world. What God will give us, what he'll do for us. How many saved, sanctified, holy ghost filled people do I have in this house today? How many of you all still have a little bit of the joy of your salvation? If you got it, why don't you get on your feet and give God a big joy shout today. Give God a joy shout. I thank you, Lord, I'm saved. 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 If he doesn't do anything else, he's already done. More than enough. I'm glad I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for a great salvation. Thank you today that, God, you delivered us from sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin, the pleasures of sin. You delivered us from all that. And God, you brought us into this glorious state of salvation. Thank you, Lord. Because we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith. You gave us this gift of salvation. And God, we don't ever want to be so, so uh, disregarding about it that, Father, we just kind of let it lie. Don't give any attention to our walk with you. Don't give any attention to our, this glorious salvation you've given us. God, we don't want to play it, Lord, like, well, we can just do anything we want. We don't want to do that. We want to really give our everything to walking with you, Lord. We know that, God, so many people have this idea that once we're saved, we're always saved, and we can never lose those things, God. And we, God, I don't know about that argument. That doesn't jive with the scriptures. But what I do know your word says is, Father, that you so loved us, you so loved us, that you gave your only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So, Father, I pray that each person in this room
is walking like they're still believing in him. Talking like they're still believing in him. Living like they still believe in Jesus. He said, Father, you said in your word that as many as received him, you gave power to become sons of God. And so, Lord, thank you that you've made us sons, your own children. God, I pray today for even every prodigal son, a prodigal daughter who may have walked away and you're standing right there. You're running to them waiting. You have a fatted calf and a robe and a ring and shoes waiting for their return. To the point you said there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than those 99, those others who do not need to repent. Jesus said that he didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And so, Father, those who are sick, who need that physician, we ask you to be that physician to them. Sick in their soul. Sick in their spirit. Dead in the spirit. Make them alive like you've made us alive. Father, today I pray that in this church, in this church today, those that are here, those that are online, those that will watch later on, that everyone makes a quality decision to fully pursue holiness, to fully pursue sanctification, to never neglect this great salvation that we have received as a wondrous gift. That God, that even if we have made mistakes, if, even if we have fallen, even if we have come short, that God, rather than running from Jesus, we just run back to you because you're waiting there for us. And you said if we turn to you, you'll turn to us. It's just that simple. So I pray today that everyone in this room for the rest of their days will run hard, run hard after you. And I thank you, God, that we will be light in the midst of darkness and bring other people into this glorious liberty of the children of God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to pray real quickly for those who are in need of salvation. If you're in this room today and you 